0: This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right. Welcome to the show, this very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, that real tired lady. Brittany Page. How dare you? You're you're the hardest working lady in Showbiz.
1: The <laughs>
0: it's kinda odd calling you a lady.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, also that is not accurate what you just said. So, starting the show off with lies. Tired
0: or hardest working lady in Showbiz?
1: Hardest working lady in Showbiz. Are we in Showbiz? I don't I don't think
0: you're overanalyzing it. Goddamn, it's the intro. Well,
1: I just like facts is what I'm saying.
0: Oh, you like facts, dude. Yes,
1: it's very great. important to me. Well, here's
0: a fact for you. Okay. We have Thomas Smith
1: yes. on the show
0: today. Thomas, how are you?
2: Doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: Thank you for coming on at this early hour. It's early for me.
2: Yeah, <laughs> me too. Don't 10, worry. 10.30 10
0: 10 30 <laughs> in the morning is is unacceptably <laughs> early for Jesse yeah. Dollymore.
2: What are we doing here? Let's just go back to sleep. <laughs>
0: Well, I was just saying before we flipped on the mics that you are one of the most requested guests for a bonus episode, and we really didn't know each other. I knew of you because I know of your of your your show, Serious Inquiries Only, and then I just uh, subscribed to Opening Arguments, your other podcast. Maybe you're the hardest working lady in showbiz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you've yep. been requested multiple times by by listeners of the show. So we're we're glad to have
2: you. Oh, I'm very honored. Uh, thanks, listeners. I appreciate that. <laughs> They're not here. <laughs> oh, shit. So we're just talking. You and I are just talking. <laughs> they wanted me on to do a private recording with just you two. And they didn't <laughs> want to hear it is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Now, not, this isn't going to make the air. I, what did you think? Oh, I, okay. I just wanted to chat with you. <laughs> So you are, I don't know if you're from California, but you live in California, north of us. We're in Orange County. Are you from here? I'm from,
2: uh, yeah, I live in Sacramento.
0: And what what exactly got you into podcasting?
2: Oh, sure. Well, um, I I don't know if, if... I've moved on a bit now, but are are you guys like a skeptic related show? Or are you more of a news related show? What's your focus?
0: Well, we s- I- we started as skeptic, and then we moved on to news and hey, comments. There you go.
2: There you go, because that's kind of what I did. So a little bit. Um. So I started off in, in like 2010. Uh, I was really into like the new atheists and stuff, and was I had always been an atheist. Really, I was like raised Christian, but I tried to tried to believe in it cause it sounded really nice and all that to have something to do after you're dead. But, uh, <laughs> but I just never, I never believed it. And then in, in around 2010, you know, I really got into the, to the, to the horse people and to their books and you know, Hitchens and Dawkins and Harris and all that. And, and I, it was really interesting to open up all those ideas and to, to see people saying and writing the things that, that like I kind of thought, but you know, wouldn't be able to put it all together in that way. And so that was really exciting to feel like, oh, gee, this is wait. Is this a curse friendly show? What's it, you didn't give me the it, fuck? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. yeah, OK. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is all bullshit. I knew it was all bullshit. i had always suspected it was bullshit, but I just didn't have, you know, the the uh, powerful writing at my back before that 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 they provided. So around 2010, I decided I had never read the Bible. I kept getting in arguments with with like Christians and I had just. They would claim like the Bible was this really nice thing. Actually, it was all friendly to everybody. And, you know, they everybody has their own version of what the Bible is. And uh, I would get in arguments. I'm like, I know that's not true from the things I've read, but I had never read all the way through it. So I was like, OK, I want to read all the way through the Bible. And for some reason, I just decided like, you know, I'll just podcast it like I, I'll just uh, screw it. I'll just I'll do with the. The best case scenario will be people will enjoy it. and It'll be funny and all that. Worst case scenario, it's an audio book of the Bible. <laughs> like that, that was what I figured. Like I would just read through it, uh, analyze it and make jokes. And, you know, the only audio versions I would find would be like these super religious ones. Oh, yeah. Like, and then Noah. <laughs> and then was these like slow music in the background and stuff. And I was like, fuck it. At least I'll read it as an atheist. And that could be something interesting. So I did that, and I did that for years and years and years. I actually finished um, almost a year ago. I finally finished going through the entire fucking Bible. What's the name <laughs> of that? What 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 is that? That is, <laughs> that is the aptly, brilliantly named Thomas in the Bible. That's that's all that is. But that show's over, and and I got tired of being limited to the Bible. So that's when I started another show, uh, which at the time was called Atheistically Speaking, and then I renamed it to Serious Inquiries Only because I got tired of. Just uh, not being able to get the guests I wanted because, you know, people are scared of the name atheist. And I wasn't really talking about that much atheism related stuff anyway. Like I was I was talking about just anything, science, philosophy, politics, whatever. And so that's kind of the evolution. And then opening arguments is is um, with a friend of mine who had I got hooked up with him because he emailed into my show uh, about a legal point. And I could tell like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I don't know what I'm talking about. So that's good. <laughs> so I had him on the show and he was just brilliant. This brilliant lawyer, Andrew Torres. And uh, so then I started having him back and people liked it so much that they wanted us to start a podcast together. And and we did. And it really took off. And and so now I podcast full time. And yeah. that's
1: opening that's, arguments, right?
2: That's opening arguments. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe I forgot to say that that <laughs> advertising.
0: <laughs> that we also this is our full-time gig between the videos that i do for occupy democrats and and the, well they're rebranded for occupy but they're my videos that i put on my youtube oh nice we're we're full-time new media people too um that's cool we, we did we kind of started not kind of i think we really wanted to do a skeptic type of atheist podcast and We would
1: choose topics in the beginning to focus on per episode, and then we found we were running out of skeptic and atheist topics to focus on. Well, not only that, (laughs)
0: but it's hard to you know, I think my I like to not to be critical or criticize, but I like to critique things. And I found myself being very critical of like I don't know if you remember, but three and a half, four years ago when we first started, there was an incident where the the Freedom from Religious Foundation or the, the Atheists of America, one of, the, one of the main groups, was a legal challenge against these hastily prepared roadside memorials, you know, where people just put up the little white cross where someone died. And the atheist groups were challenging th- that in court. And I was just like, really? I was like, come the fuck on. What a waste of resources. What a waste of energy. What a bad PR move! Let these people grieve in whatever way they want to grieve. It's not. It's not a government. Se- anyway, it was just bullshit. So I found myself often criticizing yeah. what what the atheist groups were doing. So I very quickly, I think, I kind of shifted away from identifying with the new atheism movement and the organized groups because. They seem to be more rabble rousers than trying to change hearts and minds. And that's where I am.
2: Well, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I would say I'm pretty similar to that. Like I, I do initially when I did Atheistically Speaking, my goal was to talk about things atheists disagree on because I'm just more interested in disagreement. I don't really want to get on and just agree with somebody else. It's kind of boring. Like I find it. A little, especially when a lot of people are making the same points over and over again about religion, which I, you know, to each their own. But like, I just was, I didn't want to do that. So, I tried to focus on stuff we disagree on, and I think it, it it went similarly to how it went for you. I still, um, I still believe in atheism. I still, uh, in 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 the sense that I do want to try try to do my best to convince people to not follow really stupid religions. Like, I I would love to to make some progress on that. But I just, I'm not seeing it right now as that important in the grand Trump scheme of things. Like it just, yeah. for me, it's just feeling like, Holy shit. Like there's a lot going on. And the, the election really did open my eyes to how many people in the atheist movement are trying to be this sort of neoconservative, but hidden disguised as, as liberals, uh, and to try to, to accomplish certain I don't know. In my mind, conservative political goals that I don't agree with. And it's just a it's a weird place right now. <laughs> no, that,
0: that's very interesting. I, I just got it. Somebody tweeted me or Facebooks. Somebody communicated with me just the other day. It's been a very busy few days. But and they said that it's funny that I used to be their conservative light podcast. Mm. And I've moved because I I just switched to the, uh, officially to the Democratic Party the day after the election. I was a uh, no-party preference here in California for years and years, and prior to that was an independent in Idaho.
2: And- Hold on. I think we might just be the same guy. Because, <laughs> like, I, 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 I was the same thing. No, I, I was a Democrat going into an, uh, the election, but, uh, but like, maybe a few years back, like, four years ago, I would have considered myself kind of just independent, like, middle of the road. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So, and, and I... I am now, I, I mean, I'm reluctantly a Democrat. I, I really don't like to pigeon myself into parties, but now is a time to take sides with Donald Trump, Yeah, which is the perfect segue. You led me right into it, is talking about resistance to Donald Trump. And that was one of the, the, the main things that people wanted me to talk to you about is activism and resistance and getting involved in the era of Trump and it, it is a very common question we get, which is, "What can I do? How can I get involved to make a difference?" Because there are forces at work, not 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 principalities and powers, and you know, <laughs> but but we have you know evil in the White House. This is a, it's a tenuous times, as I say too often
2: yeah i I mean, I'm not that great of an activist, to be honest with you. I mean, i have I have so much time I have to put into all this media bullshit that I'm doing that like I can't i'm not I'm not the best to talk to for like getting out there with a sign or do, you know or or getting involved in local government, which is which are great things. People should do that. Like get involved locally if you can. so i, I I'm not I don't want to claim to be something I'm not. Like I'm not an expert at that. But what I am trying to do is really clarify arguments in this day and age, because what's going on is, uh, man, it it sucks to keep having to re-litigate 2016, but we do because people still, no matter how bad Trump gets, people still want to blame Hillary and say, and what they have to do is double down. They either have to say, oh, she would have been just as bad. Oh, she would have been just as bad. And then he reached a time where he got so bad that they couldn't make that bullshit argument anymore. They're like, well, okay, I got to, I got to find a new argument. So then the argument was that no matter how bad he gets, it's her fault for running because she couldn't have won. Yeah. Which is mind blowing to me in, in, in one of the closest elections in history, you know, she was 70,000 votes off in three swing States. Like it was as close as could be. So to, to say she just couldn't have won is it's amazing how much people, the lengths people will go to, to avoid responsibility. But the responsibility lies, of course, morally with Trump and with Trump voters, but also uh, a a heavy amount of responsibility is with people who didn't vote in those states, especially, or people who voted third party. Because unfortunately in our system, that's one of my biggest points right now, we are given a choice in the general election. We are given a choice between two candidates. The third party candidates are not viable and they never will be. It's just how it is. So when you're given a a choice between... The worst person to ever run for anything (laughs) to ever be in public eye and anyone else. You vote for the other person who has a chance. Yeah, really. I've been lately. I've just been talking about we were we were in a fucking trolley problem. We were all in a trolley problem on this election. And there are different ways people would deal with it. You know, trolley problems, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were all uh, now they're memes, so everyone knows them. But
0: (laughs) well we also we also had uh Dave Pizarro from Very Bad Wizards on. We're fans of his show. So we're 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 too acquainted with the trolley questions.
2: (laughs) But but people would do that, where it's like they're at the fucking trolley, excuse me, and on one side you've got it's the, the track is just littered with people, with which is the Trump track, you know. You and and what people do is it, it, they, they have to, there's coping mechanisms. So what they did was they assumed Hillary meant things she didn't. So that was what they did. So her, her side of the trolley track, they're like, wow, there's the, the no fly zone. That's going to be world war three. So they're trying to stack as many bodies on that side. They're like, oh, look at all those innocent people. And then they did it. They, so they did some mind reading there. Like no matter what she said, she actually meant something else because you know, I, I don't know why, but everybody knew that Hillary was apparently such a liar that she, nothing she said would, would, she would actually do, which I just don't believe, like there's no reason to believe that. And then on the other side, they were allowed to mind read Trump down to nothing. So sure. He would say, oh, we need to get him out and we got bad hombres and we got, you know, they're rapists. But, but, but you know, he doesn't really mean that. And, and a lot of people would, uh, sort of do this, uh, like apologizing for what he's saying the other way to try to take the bodies off of his side of the track, to try to get it equal. And then once it was equal. Then it didn't matter. Then you could vote Jill Stein or, or, or whoever, you know, you could vote um, uh, uh, Gary Johnson or whatever, right, you know, yeah. it's like once you try to get them to equal on the tracks. But the truth is, it's just not equal. And right now we're seeing trans people, gay people, immigrants, everybody is getting hit by a fucking trolley that we all knew was coming.
1: So what do you say to the people who voted for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein or wrote someone in who say that it was based on principle that they could not bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton, even though they're willing to admit that Donald Trump is really as bad as they thought he was going to be?
2: Yeah, it's a tough one. So first, I want to draw a distinction because a lot of people will say, oh, my state, it didn't matter. And there are definitely some states where that's true. If you're in California, it didn't fucking matter. It re- it really didn't. And there's there's other states that are going to go so far one way or the other that, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to, like, try to get a third party to 5% or whatever the threshold is where, I don't know, some shit happens. I don't, I don't really follow third parties that much, but there's some talk of that. But if you're in any state and and it just goes to show because 2016, so many more states were in play that we didn't even think would be. Yeah, no kidding. So if you were in any state that was at all even close, you had a responsibility to try to keep um someone who was I, I was almost gonna go Godwin's law, but I guess I'll just I'll try not to, just to maybe it'll <laughs> make me a little more credible. But you had a responsibility. You had a choice. Like it, it doesn't You could vote for you. You might as well write you in. Like, why didn't people just write themselves in It's that you had just as much of a chance of being elected and you actually agree with yourself 100 percent? You're given a choice. We have two choices. It's A or B. It's a trolley problem. You don't you don't get to sit there and say, well, why the hell am I at this trolley switch? Because the people on the track are yelling at you, dude, we're going to get hit by a fucking trolley. We're going to die over here switch it to the trolley. Yeah, I know the other track isn't perfect. There might be an innocent victim on that track, but there's thousands of innocent victims on this track. They are looking at you saying, change the fucking trolley thing to go on this track. And and when you vote third party, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm sorry, I don't want to be I don't want to be at this trolley. Uh, I don't endorse this this trolley that we have set up. Uh, I don't (laughs) I don't want to be a a, a party to it. And it's just a shirking of responsibility in my mind. You have to just swallow your pride and vote for the candidate. And the the other thing that makes that question so difficult is that I firmly believe most of the stuff about Hillary Clinton, I, you know, she's not amazing. She's not the perfect candidate, but I believe that most of the criticism was either outright sexism or latent sexism. It was the kind of thing where you look at two names on a resume, one's female, and then you don't like, like it was a, a lot of that where all these assumptions were made and it sort of snowballed. Like it, I I don't mean to accuse anyone who doesn't like Hillary of being a sexist but in the in the sort of um mythology of Hillary Clinton like at some point down the road it was either people outright trying to lie about her which we had all of that going on on the on the right and Alex Jones and she you know she's actually literally murdering kids in a pizza shop and all that bullshit and then but the, but I also think there's a lot of just um kind of uh But under the table. No, that's not the right phrase. So kind of a, you know, latent sexism. Yeah, yeah. just not outright, but just um, really, like I said earlier, when an an example we went over uh, on on one of my shows recently that Andrew Torres, my partner, pointed out was people blame Hillary Clinton for the crime bill. So they'll say, yeah, she was first lady. Yeah, they will blame her for a bill where she was first lady. She was not in the Senate. She gave a speech, you know, she gave speeches supporting it like any first lady would. You know, they're not going to go against their fucking husband, the president. And they didn't blame Bernie, who actually voted for the crime bill. Yeah. Like, it, it, like that's the kind of sexism I'm I'm talking about, where it's like, there people were willing to associate so many horrible things with her, and I think it really snowballed, and you see it in her numbers, because people liked Hillary Clinton two years ago or three years ago, you know, like her, her approval... You know, she wasn't universally loved, but it was in the 60s or something. And then all of a sudden, as we get around two years to to election time and this sort of right wing misinformation engine, you know, sees, okay, this is going to be the logical candidate and they get going on her and it just sort of this misinformation and this shit just kind of infiltrates, you know, it just creeps in. And then everybody, and then everybody starts doing it. Oh, she's not great. Oh, she's, yeah, we all know she's a liar. Oh, and that starts getting worse and worse. Oh, we all know she's the worst human in the world. She's a liar, she's nothing ever. But, you know, she's better than, tri- like, even people who supported her would say that stuff.
0: Well, I, I, I disagree with you about her being even a good candidate. I think she was a terrible candidate. And I voted for her because of the very trolley problem that you're talking about. Um, well, I
2: I, I, I strongly respect uh, that decision. Uh, <laughs>
0: I'm more interested and perplexed by these people who – like here in, uh, south of us in or- uh, Oceanside, California, there's a, a Mexican uh, undocumented immigrant who's a pastor, and he's being deported right now. His family is staying. He is being sent back to Mexico. He voted for Donald Trump. He supported yeah. Donald Trump. And because of his vote, he is going to be victimized by the very man that he supported for president – that kind of shit I can't wrap my brain around why someone what kind of mental gymnastics they have to do to and he still says oh I still support Donald Trump it's like, come on dude you know well, you per- stepped on your dick
2: yeah it's it's pretty simple it's 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 the uh uh you know I didn't think that hyena would eat my face man who voted for face eating hyena party like or whatever yes. it, That's that meme it's it's they thought he was going to throw everybody else out like they thought he was going to throw all the, the bad hombres out. But I'm not a bad hombre. I'm a good hombre. But yeah, but that's, yeah. you know, to to. uh So and again, we I don't we don't have to argue about Trump's internal. I don't care what he really believes in is, you know, just fucking vacant mind. But but what he says is very strongly uh white nationalist like it's very <laughs> xenophobic. He doesn't want. He doesn't care if you're a good hombre or a bad hombre like the, the people running his policy when it comes to that don't care. They want all the Mexicans out.
0: Well, I do uh, believe. Listen, but- I, I do think that he is bad to the core where it relates to race matters. And um, his, he has a family history, history of it. His dad was arrested in New York City in the 20s during a KKK your kerfuffle. Yeah. It, uh- uh, it is in his makeup to to not rent his uh, his properties to, to blacks and put in the little C on the rental application. And yeah. we see time and time again, he gets the opportunity to denounce the KKK and the former grand wizard of the same organization, David Duke, and he chooses not to until he's forced to. And here we have Charlottesville where horrific crimes took place at the hands of actual fucking Nazis He gets a chance to denounce, and he doesn't.
1: Until the last minute, and then even the last minute, he demands to start his speech with uh, a discussion of the economy and how well he's doing on the economy. And then he eventually gets there.
0: Right. (sighs) Yeah. Did you watch his statement this morning?
2: No, I I haven't. Um, But I did see in headlines that he did try to... He did did a take two, because it takes two tries to condemn the Nazis. Everybody... I think that happened in World <laughs> War Two as well. Everybody was like, oh, they're great. No, oh, hold on. Redo, redo. Uh, no, they're bad. They're yeah. bad. Okay. Well, it's not even... A couple swings at that
0: one. It's not even the early appeasement of Hitler. It's, it's just, oh, we're just going to... I'm going to walk out of the room while everybody's asking very important questions about whether or not you enjoy their support, you appreciate their support, or whether you're going to condemn them. He walks out arrogantly. Last night, Brittany had... We rewatched it and Britney had a visceral reaction just watching him walk that she's bothered that we've given him the
1: rewarded him with the power of being president of the United States. We've
0: rewarded him. Because you can
1: see it in in his gait. He walks with an air of power about him. He walked out of the room like I don't need to answer these questions. I'm president.
0: The ultimate (laughs) arrogant
2: swagger.
1: It's disgusting.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that's his character. I think he's always been like that. He's somebody who, it, you know who's not a good leader? Somebody who's always just been unquestioned his entire life. That's not a good leader. Yeah. Like, regardless of what he believes, uh, which uh, he believes a lot of really stupid stuff, and he he just is not mentally capable of the job. He really isn't. Uh, I covered the two phone calls. Have you guys looked into the uh, transcripts that were released of his phone calls? Yes.
0: yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That that was mind blowing. Like I it, it, mind blowing, by the way, in that I fucking knew it all along. But <laughs> but to actually see how stupid he is in real life, because people will still argue. Oh, it's a show. If you get get Scott Adams on your show. ah, He's a master persuader. He's a. He, you know, Scott Adams, the fucking Dilbert creator that just thinks Trump's actually a genius. And he's a set of, you know, he has a He has like an alternate reality for everything he does where he explains it's actually a genius thing.
1: Yeah, I listened uh, to his interview with Sam Harris and it was right, the yeah. most maddening thing I've ever listened to. I did listen to the entire thing just on yeah. principle, but it was not a yeah. good time.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the worst. That guy is the worst. But you saw in the Australia call specifically, the Mexico one was bad. The Australia call with Turnbull. Was he could not understand simple concepts like he kept asking, you know, I set out the basics. The deal was like, you know, they in Australia, they don't the turn has a policy. He's not going to take any people who come by boat no matter who they are. He's not going to take them in because he wants to discourage that sort of human trafficking.
0: And it's also dangerous to cover that much ocean. It's not Cuba to the United States. Yeah. It's, you have
2: a vast yeah. fucking Indian Ocean. So it's the
1: danger and the precedent for that kind of... Yeah, it's stuff.
2: like it's like not negotiating with terrorists kind of thing. Like, you don't want to encourage that illicit activity to get there. Even though, and there's a lot going on. Anyone, I, I, I have a lot of Australian listeners. Like, there's horrible things going on in these fucking camps. They're putting them in on these islands. I don't in any way mean to condone that. But I do at least understand the policy of, look, we're not taking anyone who came by boat because we don't want to encourage it. Like, we yeah. don't want to encourage the smuggling where people die. So that's his policy. And Trump cannot grasp this. Like, he can't understand it. He said, no, I guarantee you, the people you have are bad. They're bad people. They're bad. And 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 Turnbull's like, well, no, they're we just we can't let them in because they came by boat. We don't know. We know they're not bad people. Like, we know who they are. We've been monitoring them for years. Oh, no, they're bad. And then later, Trump says, like, <laughs> why are they in prison then? Why are they in prison then if they're good? It's like, because uh, d- uh, the, the boats, I already explained the boat. And then. A third time, Trump says, wait, so what's the thing with boats? Oh, no, never mind. I, I remember. It's because they come from certain locations. And Turnbull's like, D- no, that's <laughs> not it. He literally asked the question. He's r- And then he says, oh, no, I remember. It's the wrong thing. Like, it, he couldn't be less capable. Like, he's just he has no attention span by all accounts. Absolutely no attention span.
1: Turnbull was also trying to reiterate, listen, You're very concerned about this safety issue I've told you multiple times You can vet them You're not accepting (laughs) anyone that you do not vet So I don't understand why this keeps coming up It was like he was talking to a toddler
2: It really is Yeah, he
0: he absolutely is A toddler who eventually hung up on him (laughs) Because (laughs) this is bullshit This call, this is terrible The the call with Putin was really great (laughs) This is terrible (laughs) Click (laughs) 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 Goddamn. Well, listen, I, I think that another aspect of what kind of led to Donald Trump is this weird cultural phenomenon that's happening. And it's being led by asswipes like uh Dave Rubin and other notable atheists who are fixated on these spoiled rich kids in spoiled rich kid colleges wanting safe spaces at a few isolated uh, campuses. This isn't happening on a widespread basis, this yep. attack on free speech that's so pervasive in our society that it needs to be the focus of every single word out of Dave Rubin's mouth. Yep, That is also something that I think fueled this, this fear of, of the shift in our culture that led to Donald Trump being being elected speak to that that's another thing people talked about is that you you guys have covered this a lot and i think we're of like mind that one i disagree with the notion of safe spaces and this this uh i don't this attack on yeah well we will we'll disagree on that but and this attack on free speech but i don't believe it's happening with the regularity that it's being it's disproportional the coverage to how much it's actually happening is very disproportionate
2: Well, you're right on. You're speaking my language. This is something that I I have been on from like minute one of Dave Dave Rubin's shitty shtick where he just comes on and says Battle of Ideas. Battle of Ideas. Battle of Ideas. Battle of Ideas. (laughs) Battle of Ideas. And then he has, you know, like fucking David Duke or somebody. He hasn't literally had David Duke on, but he's just about literally had David Duke.
0: Well, he's He's had had Milo on several times.
2: He's had Milo, he's on at Lauren Southern, he's had just every awful white supremacist garbage person you could have on. Oh, battle of ideas, battle of, And then he doesn't battle their ideas at all. Like, and and everything conveniently is how he, li- like, people ask him, hey, why do you ask such softball questions to fucking white supremacists? Oh, well, I like to let them kind of, you know, explore, you know, give, <sighs> set up ideas. And it's like, okay, I see what's happening here. You just want to benefit from an, like, it is a very calculated thing. He figured out and if you you know, at a certain point, I broke down a lot of his videos and what had the most views. And and I went through his alleged liberal guests that he had on because he's never had a liberal guest that actually challenged him on anything. Like he's had some liberal guests. And the best one, I think, was Michael Ian Black way back when. But that was one interview like forever ago. But if he has a liberal on, it's usually like, oh, how about how much uh, liberals suck? Oh, yeah, they suck. You know, it's like you find <laughs> someone to prove them and um but the v- the videos that had a shitload of views were milo Yiannopoulos, and that horrible asshole uh whose name i can never remember who has that viral video about how trans people are mentally ill uh oh, i don't know i don't know who he- that is oh he's the worst he um uh ben shapiro
0: oh yeah ben shapiro so like
2: he I I think that Ruben, I don't again, I don't know what's going on in his mind by now. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's 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 just outwardly apologizes for Trump pretty often. Like you can check his Twitter. He was he's making all excuses all the time.
0: I had but, to, I had to unfollow him on Twitter for my own mental health because, yeah, I was constantly quote tweeting him and shitting on him. And it was just. Yeah, it was no, too I stressful expect- for me. I was fucking and out of my the mind.
2: People, the the Reuben fans. Oh, you? Why are you so jealous or something? It's like no, I I'm frustrated because he has a gigantic following of people who don't see this obvious tactic that he's doing, which yeah. is yeah. profiting from he's he's giving respectability to horrible people. That's what he's profiting on. So when he gives respectability, he says, "Oh, well, you know, battle all sides." Battle, and then he just has a bunch of white supremacist people on, and he uses this uh, this, this, this equivocating language all the time where he, you can't really tell what he believes. Um, and he gives them a platform and then he benefits because those videos with Milo and with, with Ben Shapiro, like all these people, these, these, uh, you know, Lauren Southern, what's the other, he had Richard Spencer on like these just Uh, racist uh, people. Yeah. And then it's their He gets their viewers. And if, have you ever looked at his comments on YouTube? And don't no. I don't want to stop for a second. Don't give me the oh well all comments on you. No, if I put up a fucking video, I don't get these people. These are his supporters, you can tell. And you go on, you look at his videos and look at the comments. It is the worst of the worst that support him. That are that support him. Yeah. This isn't all yeah. oh, people are are, you know, trolls. No. His supporters are fucking horrible people because he gives horrible people a platform.
0: Well, his some some of his supporters must be uh, opponents of mine on YouTube because I get a lot of that insane vitriol from supporters of Trump, who I'm sure cross over to his platform as well.
2: Oh, and, and to, to hit the safe spaces thing. So safe spaces, um, you know, I've, I've had someone on to talk about them before. They're a very specific thing. Uh, they're 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 like and this is something uh, I think. Peter Boghossian is really terrible on this. He yeah. he tweeted some article with seven safe spaces and like most of them, one of them was for veterans with PTSD. It's like, are you fucking telling me you don't want veterans with PTSD to have a safe space if they're worried about being triggered or if they're going through some, like all it is is a place where people can't, th- that they won't have certain triggers. That's really all it is. Like, well, it's no, not, well
0: give, us, give us an actual real world example of a safe space.
2: Well, a real world example would be uh, a safe space for LGBT, where they, uh, someone who is possibly gay or maybe they're not sure about themselves or they're going through it, who isn't able to be out with their parents, you know, with their family, who faced the whole, lives in a Christian state or some some shit, that's a place where they can go and not have someone yelling at them that they're actually sinning and they're, you know, so a physical place. It's just a room, like okay, it's just. So it's, it's not enough. like the campus is a safe no. space. There is there are no campuses that are safe spaces. That right. does not exist. Right, but that well,
1: is- but this is kind of the problem though, because the the language is not specific, and when people use this term, it's very vague. So when you do go to a campus, you will walk by professors' offices, and you will see some of them have a sticker on them, and it says "safe space" or "LGBT friendly." And that signals to a student who may be struggling that they can go into that professor's office, sit down with them and have an open conversation with them about whatever they might be struggling with, that that is a safe space for them to go. I think sometimes, though, uh, people on campuses say that it should be a safe space in terms of the trigger warnings on the syllabus Uh, mandating campus-wide policies or wanting those things uh, to be mandated. And so that issue gets conflated with what a real safe space is, and then everything falls under this umbrella of safe space. And then the safe space gets criticized collectively with everything that's under that umbrella.
2: You're totally right on. that. That's true. And there are um, like one one, uh, example of where I was really on the other side of this was the Goldsmiths University incident with Miriam Namazi because they tried to make like their and it, by the way, it almost never affects actual classes. Like maybe the trigger warning thing, though, I, you know, I agree with certain trigger warnings. I, I think if something's going to be really grotesquely violent or there's going to be like a rape portrayed, like I, I don't know why it's a harm to, to warn people in the syllabus. Like, hey, today we're, cover-, you know,
0: well, because it sets a precedent for for what? for triggering, well, what's next? There's going to be a gunshot. I We got an email one time, because I played a clip, and there were gunfire in, in the clip, and I had people, and I'm a former U.S. Marine. You
1: had one person.
0: I did. Have, we had one listener, and he was like, hey, man, next time you do that, you need to put a trigger warning or something, because I was riding my bike, and I'm a combat veteran, and it just sets me off. And my perspective on that is, if you are triggered to a point where it's dangerous for you, you need to go to a mental health professional and seek healing, not be warned before it happens so you can continue to be in a, in a mental state of disarray. There, I mean, Brittany has her master's in clinical psychology. So I some of this I kind of, through osmosis, try to understand. But if you need a trigger warning because of uh, a rape scene in literature because you're going to be so bothered by it. It's going to ruin your day or send you into some kind of a, a, a problem. You need to seek counseling and, and and heal yourself, help yourself, not be coddled by
2: a warning prior to being coddled. Well, I mean, I, I just, I, I strongly disagree. I, I mean, if there's definitely a line that there's some point where you and I will agree. There's some point where someone will say, No, we need a trigger warning for the color blue. You and I are gonna be like, okay, that's stupid. Like in that and there are weird trigger warnings out there, like on Tumblr or some shit. Like there's some places where people think everything needs a trigger warning and it's ridiculous. I don't agree with that. But I think that you and I might draw the line a little differently, probably, because I personally I don't have any like trauma. I'm not i not any sort of suffer of PTSD. But I wanna know if I'm gonna if there's gonna be a movie in a classroom. And I got this in my classroom. It was it's very easy. It doesn't set there's no there's no slippery slope here. We watched a movie in a classroom and she said, uh, especially because it, it dealt with uh race, I think there's some racial violence in it. And she said, you know, this is this is pretty gruesome. There's some racial violence in this. Gives people a head up in case a heads up in case they don't want to process that, that day. If they if they can't handle it, you know, so, like so
0: then they're not responsible uh, for that content in class, or what happens?
2: Well they get an alternate.
0: It's, it's, syllabus they they get an alternate curriculum
2: no it's it's just one scene of a movie like they, it's not a big deal they can just not watch the movie that day I mean there's there's it's not that hard I don't yeah, know yeah but is this it- is
1: this has also been discussed with like literature on a syllabus so they will give a list of things that you need to read and then it will say okay well this one has this in it this one has this in it and so what if someone has an issue where they can't read most of the assigned literature
2: um, I, I haven't seen that happen in real life, but it, I, I suppose if you can't take the class, then you can't take the class. Yeah, no, I I mean, I, I agree with you that if someone is suffering that much, that they are they they're likely not up for the class.
1: Right. But and listen, I, I would say that there's definitely not an issue with someone saying, listen, I'm going to give uh, trigger warnings. I'm going to do that. But there's a different discussion to be had where the college says that it it needs to happen and says that all professors need to do that. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, But it also sounds like you're saying there can be a slippery slope, but then there wouldn't be a slippery slope. So it sounded like you started off admitting that it can be a slippery slope, and then you started to say that the slippery slope is ridiculous. Uh,
2: Yeah, okay. So what I'm saying is there is no slippery slope. There's a clear line between... Actual graphic content and the color, whatever, like just the so who trigger-
1: decides who decides like, where that line is? Is it you? Those,
2: those trigger warnings on gruesome violence and on rape and on whatever it is, those have been around forever. People have, like I said, I mean, back when I went to school, it wasn't even called a trigger warning, they just said, Oh, heads up, this is in here. It's and that wasn't some slippery slope that, oh, well, now you're going to warn about, you know, X, which is a ridiculous thing. So I think it's I think it's easy to maintain a line that that is. But but the other thing I want to say is there's also just not any cost to it, really. I mean, you, you guys, it sounds like you're arguing the cost is that people won't be able to actually complete the curriculum. And I don't know how often that happens. Like, I, I haven't seen that ever happen in real life. I've heard a lot of people complain, like, what if? But I haven't. Do you have examples of where people
0: Oh, no, we don't look. It's not our it's not our pet issue. We don't really it's not something we focus yeah. on. It's just I think that we kind of I love the fact that we're disagreeing on it. I think that's that's awesome. We don't often get a time to usually it's just a circle jerk of everybody shitting on Trump on the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: but,
1: well, I also I think that you maybe push back on it a little bit more, Jesse, than I would, because I, I don't see an issue with it. But I do see the argument that you make where you say, if someone is going to be triggered by something and they're going to have a severe emotional reaction to the point where they can't read a story or they can't watch a scene, then that does signal that there is some needed healing there. And I would hope that that person would take the initiative and seek that assistance. There's no shame in that. Well, and it's, and it's, it, it would be good for everyone including themselves to get that healing, not just so that they can watch a violent scene, but that so they don't have to go through life wondering what will be triggering them and upsetting them throughout the day. That's a burden for them. In the
2: middle of that healing and they're trying to listen to your podcast that they didn't expect to have gunshots. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, it's it, yeah, I. The gunshots thing, that sounds to me like a case of, you know, you you probably just wouldn't have thought of it. And I, you know, I wouldn't have either. Like, I probably probably wouldn't have thought of that either. But if somebody sent me an email saying, like, I'm a veteran. Can you warn me when there's going to be gunshots? I think I would actually do it, like, from then on, because it's like, it's not that hard, you know? Yeah, yeah, but it's not. Listen,
0: um, we have a podcast about real life. We talk about tough issues. And if you are not equipped to deal with life on life's terms then you need extra help and you need to go do that. I'm not going to help you kick your mental health uh, and your healing down as a can down the road. You go out there and get the help you need. And and I think that a lot of times and maybe I'm doing the very same thing that I hate where I'm conflict making this issue a lot bigger than it actually is, but if a university is going to mandate every professor to say you need to include trigger warnings on this this and this they are effectively kicking the can down the road for these kids these young adults who need to get help
2: yeah maybe i i don't so let's talk about the 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 actual put it in perspective kind of thing where which you just alluded to because we did kind of fall into this trap of talking about this as though this is any kind of fucking big deal at all yeah because i don't know of any school that's doing that i don't know i mean I think maybe I've seen a headline of something. I, I don't know. I haven't seen any this school will every class will have the following trigger warnings. Um, I haven't seen that. I've seen a lot of people voluntarily do it. I've seen a lot of professors say, yeah, I'm just going to give some trigger warnings. This is not a big deal. But uh, but yeah, this is just nothing. And what it is, the campus craziness storyline, and I covered the, the bullshit uh, at Evergreen, too. That is a necessary villain for the right, because right now what the 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 problem the right wing has in the republican media in fox news and and others mainly fox news the problem they have is that the villain is actually their guy in the white house like he's the easiest worst possible villain ever and it's incredibly easy to to show how horrible he is every day so they need something to deflect they need a re- they need a different enemy and you know there's there's migrants that's that's we can that's a good enemy you can
0: those, me- those, like, those Mexicans in- are in- scary, yeah. man. Very scary. There's
2: also <laughs> su- think what better to play into their fucking average age 67 TV channel, you know, viewer, uh, then the kids are going crazy at, at the college. Like it's such a perfect yeah. story. It's an oh oh there's these professors, there's these old wizened, you know, smart professors that they just want to be rational and teach reason. And the kids won't even listen to them. They just scream at them. It plays so well into this older white victim mentality to where it makes you feel like, oh, well, I, I you know, my, my reasonableness, uh, it's, it's going to be challenged in this world. It's, it, it has no place in this liberal campus craziness. So, and you've actually seen the consequences of this. Did you see the polling where, oh, what are the numbers where something like, oh shit, did you see the polling on the uh, the percentage of Republicans who now think that college is like a harm like harming kids? Did you see that one?
0: I don't. I don't recall that. No. <laughs> I'm sure it's r- ridiculous though.
2: <laughs> it, when, uh, it skyrocketed in the last uh, here. i I just typed it up. Uh, I will present it to you right now. Yeah, this is that we're seeing the real fallout of this very targeted storyline, which which you rightly pointed out. we We may disagree on the details, and that's that's fine. But you rightly pointed out like this isn't a big fucking deal, like it's not coming to a college near you. Yeah. Well, listen. Here, I I got the poll. You want to hear it? Yeah, go ahead. So it said that 58 percent of Republicans and Republican leaning independents think colleges and universities hurt the country, 58 (laughs) percent think they hurt the country.
1: What was the polling organization for that?
2: That is from Pew. Mm. Oh. Yeah. You know, very, very sketchy. Yeah. Super sketchy. (laughs) uh, I'm I'm trying to see. There might have been a a comparison. Let's see if there was like a time. Oh, here we go. Since. So, yeah, among Republicans from 2010, it was 58 percent thought they were positive. 32 percent thought they were negative. The numbers have actually just about switched. Now, 58 percent think they're negative. Yeah. And six percent think they're positive in seven short years. You know, and it really took off again, kind of around the same time that Hillary Clinton's poll numbers went down. That's interesting. There must have been a really targeted campaign on a lot of different issues around 2015, because right in 2015, like the numbers were pretty stable. And then 2015, 16, 17, they just like it's a it's like a cross. Like they literally just in two years were like, whoop, switch. Yeah. That's the real life consequences of making a mountain out of fucking. Well, it's
0: like back in it's like back in June when the numbers on Russia and Republicans switched.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Just like that. That's true.
0: So the problem is, and we agree on this, is that because it fits their narrative, they're going to take even the smallest evidence of this happening and run with it. So when you have, and I think that it's more pervasive on campuses like Yale and you know rich kid schools, where the girl is screaming "fuck you, get the fuck out of here" to her professor, the 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 dean of her, her of her dorm or whatever about the Halloween costumes or whatever that was, right. they run with these isolated incidents and act like they are fucking. It's happening across every state school in America. Brittany got her master's at Cal State Fullerton and. It uh, just wasn't happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did have a my multivariate statistics professor opened his class saying, uh, I'm going to talk about things, and I'm not going to warn people, so there's just going to be topics that are discussed in here that some people get upset by, and if that's not for you, then you can drop out of the class now. That was pretty much the only conversation like that that ever happened.
0: That was an aggressive trigger warning. He,
1: <laughs> yes,
2: yeah. yes. Hey, More on your guys' side of the the coin there. He
1: well, he he would talk about there being problems with uh, student complaints and he just didn't want to he wanted to make it known up front where his position was on that. And so you take a couple of headlines where some students complain to their university that they weren't provided a trigger warning and this happened and then Republicans take it. And run with it because it fits their narrative. And even Mm. though it's happened a couple of times, it still does damage, I think, in terms of it supporting their worldview, as you see in that pupil, which is unfortunate.
2: Yeah, it's a way it's a way to turn. It's a it's a place to turn and see a villain where, you know, when if you're if you're an old white male. It's kind of hard to find villains, like find ways that you're persecuted. But, you know, they they managed it somehow.
0: They managed it a lot lately.
1: You should check out the red pill on Amazon.
0: Oh, Jesus. Have you seen that? No.
2: Is it a documentary or something? Or what is it?
0: Well, it's ostensibly. And I'm using that word with a giant Liz Lemon style eye roll. (laughs) It is ostensibly. Oh, brother. A, a feminist who did a documentary about men's rights activists. Is it men's rights activists? Yes. Yeah. And Just MRAs. MRAs. And oh, sure. and then she, in the process of making this documentary, she switched her opinion. And uh, yeah. apparently Netflix pulled it because it was too controversial or some shit. They were getting flack for it. So now it's on Amazon Prime. And someone told us to watch it because it was so such an eye-opener. Yeah. And it is a fucking puff piece propaganda bullshit these fat yeah, well, fat toothless dudes who have never gotten laid and are angry about it is what let it me, is
2: let me take a couple guesses and i could be wrong do they say that feminists are, are they just love the fact that men get raped in prison all the time like they're just feminists they're so happy with prison rape like they're they're all for it they're just they love it it's their favorite thing because that's the <laughs> bullshit mra oh did you know There's so most uh, people get raped are actually men. It's like, well, yeah, if you're in a prison, that's a very like real issue. That's something that's horrible. I would love to uh, put an end to that. They're also
0: raped by men.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's true. That's part of it. But also, it's just it's not relevant to my life. Like it's feminists who want to make things better for women in everyday life like obviously they're not going to be speaking about prison rape. Like it's just not, that's a different group. Like, sure. If you want to have a group for prison reform, by all means, like I 100% support that. Like I actually worked, uh, for, for the state of California in budgets for prisons. And yeah, there's some horrific shit that goes on and I don't know how to solve it. Like you would think it would be easier, but, but it's not somehow like it's somehow it's impossible to, to, stop people from having weapons and, and raping each other and doing all this horrible stuff. But it's just not related. Like, the, the the arguments that these MRIs make are always like, well, you're not focusing on this. You're not focusing on all, all these men dying in coal mines or accidents or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's not, they don't, that's not their issue. Like, <laughs> they take, the argument is if you're not talking about something, then you're for it, essentially, is the straw man that I see out of the MRAs a lot.
1: Yeah, well, we only made it about 35 minutes and, 30 to, Thirty-five to forty minutes, I would say. And
2: you made it farther than me. I
0: was playing Angry Birds in like ten minutes.
1: Well, it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of fun to watch, and um, it was interesting because they they didn't say, "Oh, the feminists love to talk about men getting raped." There there were no websites of feminists talking about this issue, but there were MRA websites that she showed uh, discussing when it's okay to punch your wife in the face um, and I- things like that. So. That's interesting. Uh, (laughs) It was a little alarming because they would say, listen, men are expendable. And here's our evidence. We go to war. We work construction jobs. Yeah.
0: There were several times they showed posters in different places that were MRA posters. Like uh, combat deaths in Vietnam, 99.9%. It's, yeah, because... The men who controlled the country set a policy that women couldn't be on the front lines. It's because of men that that is the case, you fucking dickface. And
1: men still get pissed about women in combat. So yeah. I, I don't understand what, what their argument is.
0: It's it, Like I said, it's a side hustle because they're fat and the, many of them were missing teeth. I don't know what's going on there.
1: It was almost as if I'm not going to comment on that. That's Jesse's deal. And uh, (laughs) they it's almost as if they believe they're being forced into construction jobs. Like that's the only choice for their life.
0: None of those dudes that were interviewed did construction. Come on. They
1: were complaining about the number of men in firefighter positions, construction jobs it was, it was interesting.
2: Yeah. You know, you know what jobs pay really well? Firefighters and construction jobs. Right. <laughs> Actually, firefighters pay really well. Yeah. That's, very, that's a, very well. I mean, they, uh, you know, that there's there is certainly danger. It's hard work, but, uh, but they get paid pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's issues to talk about. Like it is true that, uh, you know, like what? 90 million percent of accidents on job sites are men. Like it's, There are things that men suffer more than women in certain respects in, in jobs, but it's not like, first off, they also get paid a lot more. (laughs) Like they're able to do these jobs that, you know, get paid a lot more. Like any job that is more male centric, uh, the, the, the wages are disproportionately up, which is why, you know, the, the gender wage gap exists. A lot of why it exists. And also there's so many opportunities that men have that women don't <laughs> like. There's so many ways that men benefit that women don't like. It's sure it's fine if you want to call attention to certain issues where men are, are on the, the, the short side of things. That's fine. But as long as you put it all in perspective and want, if, and want to acknowledge, you know, how many times women are on the short end of things and they don't. The truth is they're doing what, what you just said, which is they're also simultaneously making videos about punching their wives and stuff like that like it's it's not as though this is a good faith argument
0: well that's the problem is their argument is fucking terrible it you can't men oh we've it's so bad men have it so bad when 45 of our 45 presidents (laughs) and you know 60 of our 60 or however many vice presidents there have been have all been men and what's their argument oh well beyonce has a song that says who run the world ladies do oh well it must be true like just f- fuck off i guess that's uh that's my position on it thomas okay that's like- <laughs> oh, good well there's probably no better way to, to end the show than on that sentiment <laughs> I, I usually like to leave the the guest the, the last word um why don't you tell us um where can people find you
2: Oh, just Google serious inquiries only or opening arguments would be fine or find it on uh, iTunes or whatever pod catcher you use.
0: Are you on the Twitter machine?
2: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at serious pod uh, is my main one. And then I do kind of more funny stuff on at T and the B, which was my Thomas in the Bible Twitter until that ended. But I it's weird. I have like two accounts that have the same number of followers. It's kind of a bizarre.
0: I'm going to go. I'm going to go sub- uh, subscribe to your your Thomas in the Bible because I'm. I had no idea about that. That's fascinating to me. So I'm going to go check that out for uh, sure.
2: I, yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. It's <laughs>
0: are, you <on laughs> pa- are you on Patreon or anything like that?
2: Absolutely. That's how I make my living. Uh Patreon.com slash SeriousPod and slash uh, Law for opening arguments. So Just Law, yeah, huh? It, yeah, yeah, just Law. I actually have Patreon.com slash Atheist still.
0: Wow. But,
2: uh, old show, yeah. If you go to that, it's just a redirect.
0: But I guess when you uh, start at 2010... It, yeah. Uh, you are you're, you're a pioneer.
2: Yeah, well that one was uh, so P- Patreon wasn't around then, but yeah, that one was for my atheistically speaking show which I started in like 2000, I don't know, 14 maybe, 2000 something like that. Yeah. But uh yeah, no, it, I was it was pretty early on in Patreon days. Um uh, but yeah, Patreon as much as, you know, I have a lot of complaints about them, they are the 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 way I make my living. So. yeah. It's awesome. They are definitely well, a benefit.
0: <laughs> well, listen, man, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled that we haven't had a, you know, a tinge of disagreement. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, right. We let the audience decide where they fall on it. I'm probably being a little radical. That is kind of the way I lean. Brittany has to fight it twice a week and in bonus episodes like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll let the audience decide and, uh, if you have questions for Thomas, maybe we could ah, carve out some more time for him. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. Thomas, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you, brother.
2: Oh, thanks for the invitation. This was a pleasure. It's really it's it's cool to hear that there's uh, some kindred spirits out there. I it Really, it's felt lonely in the uh, skeptic movement lately. Kindred but, uh,
0: spirits, just like Anne yeah. of Green Gables. That is a that is a junior high literary reference that no one
2: is going to get. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so never mind. Maybe, maybe we aren't kindred spirits. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm really happy to hear uh, somebody who, even though yeah, we might disagree on some details and and we could argue about that, and that's great. But but i'm glad that you're seeing the bullshit that's happening Uh, that's (laughs) that's encouraging
0: we talk about it all the time so um if you have questions for thomas shoot us a message we'd love to hear from you we will see you next time and until then for britney page i am jesse dollamore and this has been i doubt it
2: this is wait is this a curse friendly show what's he didn't give me the fuck yeah okay (laughs) (laughs)